Back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and joining me this week, once again, it's Adam Myros. Ah, uh, hello, Steve. How are you feeling? I'm I'm feeling good, man. Because you guys were like, "What if we recorded at 1:30?" And I was like, "What if I'm going to the bar?" So, yes, yes, <laughs> I, I screwed mean, that one up. Yeah, that you, for context, you're the one who requested that we record at such an early hour to begin with. So it made perfect sense. I I think this is all just some elaborate. Revenge for our unruly uh, drinking behavior last episode. It, it could be. I, I think if you're going to get juiced up for a podcast, this is the one to get juiced up for. That's fair so, enough. You know, shout out to our sponsor this week, uh, Station Number Six in West Dallas, Wisconsin. Get me all lubed up for uh, Larry Bishop. Exciting stuff. <laughs> this time you're the sober one. You're you're the drunk one. I'm stone cold sober. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't. I don't feel like I'm as drunk as I need to be for this, but you know, I'm, I'm doing what I can do. Uh, also joining us, uh, it's Jack Eason. And Jack, you learned a really important lesson about Tubi today, didn't you? I, I don't know if I learned anything. <laughs> it just, it just uh, took over my system. I, I plugged my headphones in and found myself an hour into a movie named Born Wild, which seemed to be a biker mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm. And I haven't touched my laptop since yesterday, so there's a possibility that 2B has just been auto-streaming movies for 24 hours, all biker-related. Well, that's what 2B does. That's what it does. And This is a good thing. We're, we're helping our good friends over at 2B by giving them ad revenue without having to sit through the fucking ads. It's true. Another thing I learned about 2B today, okay, is that it has live TV. And uh, you just live mm-hmm. TV option, a bunch of Fox affiliates, because Tubi is owned by Fox, but it also has a beach volleyball channel, which today was showing a 2019 championship. I had to check not... Oh, wow. You know, everyone's like, oh, of course you had to check the beach volleyball channel. And I'm like, it really isn't like that. Mm-hmm. It really was, is there such a thing as a beach volleyball channel? And it turns out there, there absolutely is. So it's good to know. Sounds like somebody's trying to scope some college co-eds in short shorts to me. That's what that comes off as. So, <laughs> well, I just, certainly I've never found such thing in the cinema of Larry Bishop. Mm-hmm. Oh, so God. strange, so strange that you Googled the results of the tournament and then continued to watch it for three hours. How do you feel about that? <laughs> no comment. Oh. I don't even know who I won. I mean, listen... <laughs> Tubi, Tubi is a wonderful, wonderful streaming service. The best streaming service, in fact. But one thing you got to know is the moment that your movie is done before the credits even finish rolling, they're going to queue up something different. And when you look at the kind of films that we're watching on Tubi, just <laughs> be mindful of the television and what you're broadcasting to the world if you got your, you know, your blinds open or whatever, because you never know what they're going to hit you with. But it's it's always something wonderful. Yeah, that's a that's a good thing because it helps you discover new bullshit. Because you're like, oh, I I just gotta sit through both Larry Bishop movies, which of course Tubi has because God bless Tubi. What's it gonna play after? It's probably something mm-hmm. I've never heard of, and it's probably gonna be an interesting discovery. So, some other channels do like those, you know, marathon like twenty four hour like Twitch sessions or whatever. I feel like someone should just do that. Like pick a starting point on Tubi, and you just have to watch Tubi for twenty four hours. It could be a wild ride. That sounds like a dream. 
my tubious moment in life was when I was on this kick or I was watching like real, like late career Steven Seagal films. And one shitty 2007 Steven Seagal movie finished. And I got up and I, I don't know what I did. I probably made a sandwich and went to the bathroom or something. And then I came back and I didn't know that the movie had ended and another shitty Steven Seagal movie from 2007 had started. And I watched half <laughs> of it before I realized what was going on. So yeah, uh, that's, that's to be in a nutshell. Another fun thing that happened was I originally was not going to watch this on Tubi just because I, I, I wasn't aware that it was on there until I had already obtained another copy for Plex. But wouldn't you know, I grabbed the wrong movie with a similar title. It was, it was listed as Hell Ride, but when I, I fired it up, it was like this kid riding a bull and there was this horrible monologue and it was just like, he was the best ever. Nobody was ever as good as he was. Nobody in all of Western Australia. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Hell Ride doesn't take place in Australia. Honestly, Australia is the only this. tell there. The rest of it absolutely could have been a Larry Bishop movie. <laughs> I know. He said, said it with a horrible monologue. I'm like, what well, sounds like the right well, fucking movie to me. <laughs> exactly. So I ended up watching it for like a solid six or seven minutes until the, the title hit. And then it was called one hell of a ride or like a hell of a ride or something. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's some Australian like kids bull riding movie, which would probably be a little bit better than hell ride. But before we talk about hell ride, we should probably talk about the focus of this podcast, which is famous actor, Larry Bishop <laughs> slash famous, writer yes. slash director. Well, let me ask you a question, Adam Myros. Yes. Can you name all the members of the Rat Pack? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Can you try your best? Can you try your best? Uh, Frank Sinatra. Got it. Uh, there you go. Sammy Davis Jr. There you go. Uh, Dean Martin. There you go. Okay, this is where everybody bottoms out, but keep going. That's about all I got. Oh, wait, wait. Exactly. I, I know I know one. Joey Bishop. <laughs> Joey Bishop. Also Peter Lawford, but Joey Bishop. So uh, Joey Bishop and Peter Lawford, kind of the, the two guys from the Rat Pack that not a lot of people talk about. But Joey Bishop had a son. And do you know what the name of Joey Bishop's son was? Lawrence? Yeah, there you go. Larry. Little Larry. Larry Bishop. Son of Rat Packers. Little baby rat. Okay, so uh, Larry Bishop, born in Philadelphia, grew up in sunny California and decided to get into motion pictures, you know, following dad's footsteps, become an entertainer. And boy, what a, a lucky gent he was because he went to school with, are you ready? If you're not, you better sit down. He went to school with Rob Reiner, Richard Dreyfuss and Albert Brooks, and they were all best buds. <laughs> and they all went into entertainment. And I, I mean, obviously those three names speak for themselves. And then there's Larry Bishop. And Larry was, let's not say famous, but let's say uh, notable because of his participation in uh, various biker movies in the 1960s, early 1970s. So Wild in the Streets, The Savage Seven, those are kind of the uh, the big ones. Uh, also, The Devil's Eight, is that related to the Savage Seven? I don't actually know. 
uh, Chrome and Hot Leather. There's another one. So he was kind of like the biker movie guy. Okay. And now, he had move this... over Dennis Hopper. We got the yeah, biker move over movie Dennis guy. Hopper. He's the biker movie guy. And so that was kind of his thing. And he, he did various, uh, you know, parts in God knows how many movies, TV shows throughout the 1970s and 1980s. And then he finds himself in the mid 90s. And we are post Pulp Fiction. And what a world it was <laughs> post Pulp Fiction, because, you know, I, I don't know if, if anyone listening was old enough to remember. I'm not old enough to remember, but there was a solid, oh God, at least decade. And you still see these trickle in today of these not Tarantino, Tarantino movies. Mm -hmm. uh, it's fake Tarantino movies. And so you had things like, I don't know, Two Days in the Valley or later into the 2000s, uh, Smoke and Aces. Recently, there was, what the fuck was that movie with, they were in like a motel somewhere. Do you know what I'm talking about? This came out like last year. Uh, Had one of those handsome Marvel men in it. Nope. It means nothing to me, Jack. No, I'm pulling a blank on this one now. I'm just, but I'm just saying back at things like Killing Zoe in the 90s and various other movies that mm -hmm. absolutely happened. Go. <laughs> that existed. Yeah. Oh, geez. This is going to drive. Oh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh, I have that heard of that. I was looking for. Yeah, okay. And I want you to know that the way that I figured out what it was called was I, I literally Googled Hotel Tarantino Movie 2020, <laughs> and it came up. <laughs> when you, when you described it, I thought you were talking about, like, identity, the, like, Ray Liotta goofy oh, horror God. thing, but that's not really a Tarantino-esque one, but it does happen mostly in a motel, as I recall, so. Mm-hmm. It also didn't yeah. come out last year. And no, it didn't come out last no. year. That's why I was like, just maybe Steve's been drinking. I don't know. Uh, just a little. So uh, Steve is also currently drinking. Uh, <laughs> so all of this kind of leads to a point where you can make a movie like Mad Dog Time, which is kind of goofy, over-stylized dialogue and violence. Like that's kind of the, 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 the center, the nucleus of what a movie like Mad Dog Time is. And when you're a guy like Larry Bishop, you write this script, and you have the friends that he has, well, it's, it's not that hard to get this movie made, I guess. Or at least not as hard as it would be for your average Joe. Because at the end of the day, we always have to remember, it's not about what you can do, it's not your talent, it's about who you know. And Larry Bishop, say what you will, about his producing, his writing, his directing, or his acting. Although I do think he's very good in Kill Bill 2, uh, Volume 2, Part 2, whatever. I mean, um, uh, he's a character actor. I don't, even, his, even yeah. his performance in this, I think he's totally fine in. I mean, he's not mm -hmm. like popping off the screen, but why would he be? Sure. He's fucking acting against a shitload of A-listers. He's fine in this movie, except that he's basically slotting in to replace Gabriel Byrne, and he's not Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> And that is, no, that's quite an adjustment. That is Gabriel a difficult Byrne. gear shift that does not go well. Well, I, I did a little bit of research here on Mad Dog Time because it is a difficult movie to, to kind of wrap your head around. And part of the reason why is even with the idea that this is post-pulp fiction and that he's got all these famous friends and that he can get this movie made, you watch this and you go, I don't 
this isn't good. It's not exactly bad, but it's unlike anything anyone has ever seen or made, (laughs) but not necessarily in a good way, but it is, it is a very singular vision. So I was able to dig up an interview that he did with an Australian TV channel uh, right before Mad Dog Time came out. So I, I wanted to play a clip of this for you guys so you can get an idea of kind of what Larry Bishop thinks of Mad Dog Time. So here you go. When I talk to either other directors or I talk to actors, basically, I'm the only one who understands the script. I was the only one. I never heard of a script where, I, where, the, where there was only one person who understood it. I was the one person who understood the script. When you watch the movie, you see that there's a tremendous will to live in the movie, and there's a, a, there's a will to die in this movie, too. Sometimes the movie just almost wants to die. Um, but and it was like kind of how I felt. And I guess I was just compelled to write it. I had to write this thing. And as an actor, really, you can, it's, you can goof around a lot, even though you may have the call at 6 o'clock in the morning, but you can goof around a lot. But with directing, there's no goofing around. You can't goof around. Got to get off the directing thing. Help me. <laughs> He's got to get off the directing thing, says the man who has directed one film at this point. At this point, yeah. And he's like, no, not for me. And I would agree. Larry, not for you. Um, I would say, but- uh, more pressingly, you got to get off the writing thing, brother, because <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't, it's we, like yeah, fucking exactly. Andrew Dice Clay, like, wrote a serious film or something. I don't fucking, the tone of these things is, is almost impossible to to summate. Like, I, oh, it's just absurd. Like, the whole thing is like sing song rhyme time. It's just goddamn insane. I mean, yeah, it's the Tarantino, but he, he's not Tarantino and he doesn't know, like, he's trying to come up with his niche. He's like, you know, Tarantino has that great, like, zingers and one liners. So it's like, you know, obviously I can't, you know, that's Tarantino saying I got to do my own zingers and one liners. And his is basically people doing like weird dr seuss monologues while waving guns around yeah that's basically and and when he talks about how no one could understand what this movie was about or what was going on of course they couldn't because (laughs) how do you follow this and it's pretty amazing because the setup itself is about as simple as it gets there are these gangsters and one thing that we'll come back to as well within these larry bishop movies they sort of exist outside of time. It's impossible to say with Mad Dog Time and later Hell Ride when exactly these movies are taking place. But well, it takes place during Mad Dog Time. Yeah, during Mad Dog. That I mean, it's particularly time, impressive in Hell Ride because yeah. they do actually have like 1976 written up on certain sections. But yeah, you were correct. Other than that, there's no distinction between time periods. Yeah, but that's just because six rhymes with a great deal of things. It's just <laughs> not watching yeah, like dicks. <laughs> That's kind of his whole, that's his writing process is he, he chooses like a focus thing that happens to rhyme with Dick. So in Mad Dog Time, it's all the characters' names are named like Mick, Vic, and Nick. And boy, are they a bunch of dicks. So then he can kind of do that little Dr. Seuss thing. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's impossible to say like what the time period is exactly in this movie. And the, the central thing that's driving it is there is... A a gangster leader named Vic, he owns a club called Vic's Place, and he's getting out of the nut house, and 
this has caused everybody to be upset because they think he's going to come back and he's still going to be crazy. And it's, it's going to be the titular mad dog time. And he's going to kill a bunch of people uh -huh. because he's cuckoo and he's back and he's not going to like how things have been going while he's out. So that in and of itself is simple. Yeah. I mean, right? you're making right. He's, he's the son of a rat pack guy. He's going to make this like rat pack style gangster film, right? If, mm -hmm. if you're going to make a film like that, how, how might you start the film? That's a great question. And uh, I, I, I could think of a lot of different ways that I'd start the film, but probably not the way that this one begins. <laughs> probably not in deep space. <laughs> no. And, and this, is, this is actually how it begins. If you watch the beginning of this movie, it says that it takes place in a parallel universe because uh, Larry Bishop invented the multiverse. <laughs> and... <laughs> Within this parallel universe, you're actually like in deep space, like zooming in on the earth while some crooner like Dean Martin song plays. And then you're just kind of in this gangster world. But the idea of there being a parallel universe here, it it doesn't impact the film or, or thematically work at all. It's just like something they say that you think is going to matter. And it does not. And in the whole time in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, so what's this parallel universe thing? Are we going to like switch to like another timeline at some point no 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 uh basically what you get is you get a bunch of guys yelling and arguing in sing-song rhyme and these are kind of intermittently broken up by these sequences where they do this weird like spaghetti western style shootout duel but they sit at nice desk chairs in a basement and uh and and shoot each other yeah so yeah and that's that's the whole movie i feel like we need to like run down the fucking cast oh god like, the cast is insane might, oh, on it's this insane thing. it's absolutely insane and the way that he got this by the way this cast so it starts from him getting dreyfus okay yeah he's got richard dreyfus who if you're wondering what richard dreyfus is kind of channeling here uh, you know the end of What About Bob where Dreyfus completely loses his mind and just goes ape shit? It's that. It's just like the last 30 minutes of What About Bob and he's carried that there, over. There's a partnership there too because Richard Dreyfus has a son who's like not Richard Dreyfus but still is in the public eye and is apparently just a total dick. And uh, Larry Bishop would seem to be, you know, his father's son. He's He's around, not necessarily a dick, I don't know, maybe, but, you know, just like... He is able to work because of who his father is. So there's this kind of a beautiful mm -hmm. symmetry there. Oh, it's it's wonderful. So he's got Dreyfus, and he's able to get Rob Reiner in a bit part. He mm -hmm. was, uh, some of these other people in here are friends, but because Dreyfus had just switched agents, okay, that's how he got all the other people in this movie, basically. Because he got Dreyfus, and then when he got Dreyfus, Dreyfus was able to be like, hey, give me some more people. And this new representation for Dreyfus was like, oh, yeah, we'll get you whatever. So they get Gabriel Byrne, and then they get uh, Ellen Barkin, and uh, a few other people. Who else? Gold, who gold run down this cast. Yeah, we got Goldblum. Gold uh, you, you got Henry uh, Silva. Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin, <laughs> yeah. Gregory Hines. Billy Idol shows up, Billy Drago, <laughs> Burt Reynolds. All the Billy. Paul Anka just shows up to sing a song for a bit. Looking like shit, I should add. <laughs> he looks like, if you've seen the Tim and Eric Crimbus special, he looks like Tim Heidecker Crimbus. 
just Google that and you'll get an idea. Anka is, he's a horror show. You got Richard I mean, Pryor. a lot of people Diane are looking Lane. pretty bad at this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Diane Lane is an insane, like, third act, just, like, out of nowhere. Like, oh, there's Diane Lane. Yeah, like, Burt Reynolds has, I, he, I don't even know. He's not, like, a cameo, but he doesn't have a major role. He's just there, and you're like, what the fuck? Why is Burt Reynolds in this movie? <laughs> it's just... It, it, it's completely insane, especially when you consider that outside of the like casting, this movie looks cheap as hell. Like the sets are not well constructed. I'll say that. And there's like four. No, it of looks them. like a stage play. <laughs> yeah, it looks exactly like a stage play. And there purpose. are four sets. Like, like here's <laughs> here's my take on this, and it kind of it almost works because I, I quite like this movie. I quite enjoyed it. It's it's definitely it's got these major problems but it's kind of a fun movie at least for a while like for the first half it's novel and strange Mm -hmm. and you're kind of with it and then it kind of like you get used to it and then it becomes a lot less fun but it's basically like a gangster movie and i mean certainly gabriel byrne and people being in this puts you immediately in mind of stuff like miller's crossing you know and that kind of and also the coens do that kind of like kind of timeless anachronistic kind of like noir element i think he was riffing a bit a bit on that you know miller's crossing is like does have a time period but it doesn't really look like a classic movie of that time period it's got a little bit of a a modern sheen but essentially bishop took like a gangster movie and he was like okay what do people think about gangster movies so gangster movies are a lot of plot and a lot of like power dynamics and you know betrayals and reversals of fortune and then murders that result is that and then everyone regroups and reformulates and and new pacts emerge and then we get a new round of like betrayals and misfortunes and stuff and so on and so forth the only thing is that he didn't really seem interested or in any way like driven to actually write betrayals or pacts or alliances or anything like that so it's really just an hour and a half of just gangsters talking to each other and then killing each other and then talking some more and killing some more like it, it is essentially it is like a postmodern gangster film uh it it removes all of the like it, it's a gangster movie that assumes you know how gangster movies work so they don't have to go over any of that stuff except the stuff they're not going over is the meat and potatoes of gangster movies so it really is just a yeah, series of, of gunfights there's no plot and the fact that it's centered around <laughs> fucking conversations and every conversation is this goddamn lunatic shit that larry bishop has scrawled out right, yeah <laughs> well, yeah and it's very much like like it's it's like a miller's crossing again like all the you know guys probing and messing with each other and you know power plays to try and you know kind of go to action and stuff like you can sense that larry has seen people doing this <laughs> and he is trying to reformulate it but it it doesn't make any sense it doesn't work but he has an ace up his sleeve, and the ace up his sleeve is he has this ludicrously talented cast who are clearly not improvising. They are clearly sticking to the script, and they're working their asses off. And you know what? They're kind, it kind of works. And, I, and I'm going to come back to this over yeah. and over again, but like Gabriel Byrne is phenomenal here. He just, he is the glue. He's the Rosetta Stone that... You mm-hmm. through his performance and the way he handles the dialogue, he kind of allows all the other actors to like either under or overplay to their own levels. Like Gabriel Byrne is like the center load 
stone for this entire film. And he's doing... The opening scene is basically, and I wouldn't have known this if I saw this in the 90s, I'm almost certain it is Gabriel Byrne doing a bang-on Donald Trump impersonation. Like, with the hat... Oh, like absolutely. 100%, he is just doing a Donald Trump impersonation, and it's incredible, but in a thick Dublin accent, even though he's, like, a, an immense <laughs> whatever alternate universe we're in, where just some Dubliner wandered in, and is, like, a major gangster, and he just keeps he just he like in the early scene he almost like adam you say like he chokes on the dialogue at points like he he's really working with it and it takes a little while for him i think to adjust but he's he's yeah, amazing because it almost feels like that miller like a miller's crossing like monologue for a minute and right. then all of a sudden you you get introduced <laughs> to like brass balls like that's the guy's name's like brass balls ben or something and it's like when larry bishop's like all right, now you got to talk about your balls. <laughs> and you can almost feel Gabriel Bringer like, oh. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the like mindset. And this is something Tarantino kind of did this. And it's also like, you know, as I think about it, like this leaked into like video games for years too, like Borderlands and stuff. You know, where every major character gets like their name printed on the screen and like an intro, like Guy Ritchie mm -hmm. went crazy with this shit. Uh, it's, uh, Mad Dog Time doesn't have that, but it has all the other parts to it. Uh, his next movie, <laughs> Hellroy, does have that. He just he obviously figured, okay, let's just do the on-screen captions. But yeah, it's like every character is supposed to have like a very specific trait. And uh, Gabriel Burns' Ben London is his brass balls. Ben London, he's got the brassiest balls, <laughs> and that's how it is. But like I say, yeah, it, it, it works. I like the idea of of this being a film written and, and directed by a man who has seen every single gangster movie and expects you to understand those enough so that he doesn't have to actually include any substance in his yeah, film. Yeah, 100%. This is the equivalent of, of, of me making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I just cut out all of the middle bread part, leaving only the crust with little dabs of peanut butter and jelly on it. And so it resembles the sandwich... And it kind of tastes like the sandwich, and it's certainly odd and novel, but I wouldn't exactly call it fulfilling in any kind that's, of way. That's exactly right? it. Yeah, I mean, it's for, this is like a movie, what, what do actors do? Like, this is actually, I think, would be a great example. It's like if people are like, oh, you know, acting, what's acting about? This movie is what acting is about, because without the actors doing the work, there's nothing here. No. Absolutely nothing. Like, I, I can't describe what the fuck this movie, like, what is the plot? Like, I mean, it, it's just, it's just Vic so is aimless. depressed and everyone wants yeah. to kill Vic. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of killing. It's just, it really is. It's like five kind of Mexican standoffs with some talking in between, but there's no stakes established at any point. It's, it's no. mindless. It's, it's, but you know, it's kind of great. Like I say, because, because Gabriel Byrne is like, absolutely like at 110 percent just just tearing up the scenery and just eating it fully jeff goblum uses that as an opportunity to kind of like dial his performance back he just mostly looks like he's kind of confused and like and that plays into like he's he's the thinking guy he's the real he's the real smart guy he's two steps ahead of everyone else two steps ahead on what doesn't matter we don't have to explain any of this we just we just know he is because he talks less a little bit you know and then we just have every other scene, like Kyle McLaughlin just walks in 
Because, and that's, they got him. Gregory Hines just shows up. It's like, okay, why? Richard Pryor gets wheeled in, like, for 30 seconds. I missed it. I didn't what, notice he was literally in Literally wheeled in. I absolutely didn't. They do a cast players thing at the end. And that's when I found out Richard Pryor was in this. Because I looked away from the TV for apparently his entire role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing film. How have I, how have I never seen this in the 90s? This is a huge yeah. oversight. It's one of those movies where, and, and I, I think it gets lumped in. It's like, oh, worst movies of all time. Fuck you. This isn't that. No, no. This is an absolute curiosity. I, I, again, I'm not going to be like, this is great. But this is, at least it's something to like study. And, and this is worth your time. Because <laughs> holy shit, there's some things going on here. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's an interesting bad film, to be sure. Like, oh. uh, I don't think it's... I, I don't like... I don't have as much affinity for it as, as it seems like Jack does, just because I think it's so poorly made. Like, all of the fucking choices that he's making as a director... Yeah, there's no uh, visual style. Of, no, the, the visual... What substitutes for, like, any, uh, like, mise-en-scene or actual choices, it's just like... Ah, uh, here's a visual choice. Let's fade to blue. It's like what? Yeah, he <laughs> fades to blue and this? he fades to red. And there's one. There's one. If I recall correctly, there's one like track in with the camera where there's multiple dissolves in it. And I just look. Was that an an optical error? I, like it. It doesn't seem like a choice. It seems <laughs> like truly something say? happened that made them have to do that because it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, no. There's no. There's no visual grammar to this film that's in any way compelling. It is just compelling to watch a number of the 90s hottest actors basically, like, reenact a high school play. It is, mm-hmm. it is like, a play, essentially. Like, yes. this could be uh, far more bizarre. It's, I guess that's, like, Mammoth is another, like, touchstone as to why such a thing could under any circumstance get greenlit because it was just like this period of time in the 90s where it was like oh it's overwritten that must be good yeah yeah it's got like it's got a lot of very you know uh kind of like very oh yeah like you say like pointed obvious verbal ticks and bishop seems to you know he's working off of that but there's they're not no one is quoting mad talk time to each other (laughs) this never happened and you know it goes in with with that, that wave of of tarantino-esque movies no one was quoting them no one was getting the wallet with bad motherfucker there's no equivalent wallet from any other film you know they because tarantino as much as people like to dunk on tarantino the guy's really good at what he does he actually is he's done the work he's studied the movies he knows how they work he you know he knows when he consciously calls someone in for a movie like there's a reason for it which i mean that probably extends even to larry bishop being in kill bill Mm -hmm. but larry bishop's just like shit i can get jeff goldblum to be in my movie hell yeah absolutely he's just there (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know it's it's interesting because famously famously roger ebert hates this movie um he said that like the exact quote is Mad Dog Time is the first movie I have seen that does not improve on the sight of a blank screen viewed for the same length of time, uh, which is quite a way to start a review. Famously, when him and Siskel did their year-end wrap-up, uh, they always choose like the, you know, the worst movie of, of the year or whatever. And for 1996, uh, they both wanted to choose Mad Dog Time. And Ebert was pissed because they had to do a coin flip to see who would get to choose Mad Dog Time, and he lost. 
And in that same review that he wrote for Mad Dog Time, it began with that quote that I just read, and it ends with, Mad Dog Time should be cut into free ukulele picks for the poor. That's the final line of this <laughs> review. It's just a little bit scathing. But again, I don't think it deserves that reputation. It's, it's an absolute curiosity. It deserves your time, 100%. This is worth no, it's watching. It's very easy viewing. Um, yeah. Oh, totally. And, and another thing is it makes me wonder at some point, is this going to be like the new hotness for film Twitter? Cause I could see the internet kind of glomming onto this and I, I don't know if it's going to reach those heights. <laughs> I don't know if it's really worthy of it, but there are echoes of like tough guys don't dance in this movie. Another kind of ridiculous overwritten film. Uh, but that's a movie that has, I, I don't know. It's it's much more competent. It looks much nicer. Normal style. It looks much nicer. It knows what it's doing. What it's doing can be off-putting for a lot of people, and I get that. But this is like a totally different level. It it's anti-cinema in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, I, it knows what it's doing. Curiosity. I guess if what it's doing is is rhyming, that's about the only thing this movie <laughs> knows is like alliteration. <laughs> like I don't. It's just so bizarre. Like there's no method to any of the writing. It's just word like basic wordplay. Like if you think something rolls off the tongue in a certain way, that's Larry Bishop shit. Like that's all he seems to give a damn about. It, is, it doesn't matter depth themes. Nothing. It's just. Does this sound funny? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a movie yeah. in search of uh, a half-life of... Col like, it's a movie in search of, like, cultural uh, kind of, like, cachet. But that, you know, if, if you're working from that, that's really a bad idea. That's something that happens when your movie is popular, you know? Like, and, and you, you try and find those key lines, but the movie has to be good. Like, I'll Be Back is, like... That's just a guy saying he'll be back in in a movie with a f admittedly an unusual accent for an American film. But he's just doing that. But people remembered and grab onto it because the movie was good. The context was good. None <laughs> of that is in Mad Talk Time. There's barely any context to begin with. No. But really, I mean, ultimately to me, this the sin of this film, and I come back to it again, is that like Gabriel Byrne is really feels like he's a central supporting pillar and this movie is about an hour and a half long, an hour and 32 minutes long, I think. And Gabriel Byrne gets killed at about the hour mark. And that to me is just like, if you know what you're doing in this movie and you're on set every day, you probably should have rewritten that part. Because <laughs> without Gabriel Byrne, yeah. this movie really loses an awful lot of momentum very, very quickly. And then it really just turns into people just continuing to speak. So very yeah. disappointing well, and, final and, act. and the other thing is too, is the Gabriel Byrne I agree he's amazing, and the reason that he's killed off is so Larry Bishop's character can have screen yes, time yeah. for the last thirty what, minutes. What a thing to because swap this out character for. that Larry Bishop plays, he there's a fake version of the Larry Bishop character who was killed earlier in the movie, and then Gabriel Byrne is killed, and and they bring back the Larry Bishop character, like, no, this is the real Larry Bishop. <laughs> I, it, it, okay. Yeah. And the way it's handled too, it like, it seems like it's doing something. You're like, oh, this, this is, is playing with Dreyfus's insanity. Like he's mm -hmm. at this big party and 
Gabriel Byrne is serenading him with fucking Sinatra's My Way, and you're like, okay, you you it keeps cutting in such a way that you're like, oh, all right, Dreyfus is like, he's paranoid, he's fucking thinking in his mind that Gabriel Byrne's like inserting all of this subversive stuff and actually insulting him, and you're like, oh, this isn't actually happening. This is just this is Vic's world. He's this is the way he's perceiving it but no mm. this movie <laughs> doesn't have any of that sort of nuance gabriel Byrne, apropos of nothing has just decided that at his boss's his dangerous unhinged boss's like release party he's gonna go on stage and just like fucking take the piss out of him and tell him that he's a piece <laughs> of shit or something it's like why why would no. this happen and this is everything the movie does right because every time they present something it's a lie and and none of these things i i you can't call them red herrings because they're not a distraction from anything else. It's just like, they're like, oh, this is, you know, a parallel universe. Okay. We never hear anything more about that. <laughs> oh, Richard Dreyfus is clinically insane. He's been in the loony bin. He's out. You got to watch out. He's dangerous. He's unhinged. Pretty fucking subdued yeah. for 99.9% .9 of the movie. Uh, literally every single thing that they tell us is either non-essential or a complete fabrication that doesn't serve the plot or any themes that exist. It's just uh, Larry Bishop's full of shit. Got Kyle McLaughlin's character. He drops dead of a heart attack, and we see him, like, popping these pills, these, like, heart pills or whatever, and then it turns out that they're just Tic Tacs? Yes. And you're like, w why... Why are they just Tic Tacs? Why would if he he clearly has a serious heart ailment? Like that part was no, real, he doesn't. He was faking it, Steve. He, he doesn't actually die of a heart attack. He's shot. He's shot. He yeah, because he he lurches up and, okay. and he slashes Gabriel Burns' throat, but he doesn't. Uh, that right? Yeah, that was a very odd odd flourish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's every single thing that happens in this movie. You're like, I, I don't get why they're doing it, and you kind of understand. Like Kyle McLaughlin is initially established as the villain because he's trying to take over Vic's territory or whatever. And then he's slowly eliminating people, but because the movie isn't concerned with characters or plot, we don't know why he's killing people. Why is he killing Gregory Hines? I don't know. No, no he idea. It's me, but he does. But Who then he, but then he immediately dies and they're like, all right, we're, we've got a new big bad, Burt Reynolds, and then he immediately now, dies. Burt Reynolds is here. <laughs> Where did he come from? Then he immediately dies. Yeah, all this all this is just happening. You're like, I, I don't... Well, yeah, like, this is this is essentially a feature-length version of the, like, uh, baptism scene in The Godfather, but with no other information from The Godfather provided. The Godfather was just the baptism scene with the inserted murders. Mm -hmm. Like, he saw that, and he's like, that's the height of cinema. Let's do that. And he didn't write any of the reasoning for the things that happened. It's just the events. Like you could really, you someone could take this and do a meta film and just like write the in between explanations for Mad Dog Time. Larry Bishop could yeah, make a TV show of that, and every episode could be like joining two scenes of Mad Dog Time together. Ah, mm -hmm. uh, what a great movie! <laughs> it, I think it, like part of its invisibility is like I'm, I. As much as I love bad films and grew up in the in the country and the time when this was like an existing movie, I never heard of this movie in my life. And I feel like a lot of that is like it's easy to confuse it with that fucking De Niro Bill Murray movie. You're like, oh, that's that uh, Mad Dog and Glory, right? It's like that's the same thing. But 
it it's just like this movie is gone like nobody knows anything about this the only reason i had ever heard of it or sought it out was uh, because it was retroactive because of fucking hell ride because that just happened to come out in an era where like steve and i were like renting every goddamn movie that existed and it was plastered with all this fucking tarantino language and you're like ah sure let's rent that and then upon seeing that i was like well, i guess we're gonna have to see this other movie because what the fuck did we just watch <laughs> yep yep well it's it's interesting you bring that up because i mean clearly larry bishop does not have many aspirations here to direct film because as we all know i gotta get off the directing thing help me <laughs> and he was looking for help and one of the best ways to get off the directing thing is to direct mad dog time and it, you know after that it seemed like for over a decade that we would not be getting another written and directed by larry bishop movie but then a funny thing happened kill bill 2 came out tarantino and larry bishop are are their buds they're pals because God, I mean, this is what Tarantino loves, right? He loves just not only making movies where you can insert the stars from the sixties and seventies that he loved, but kind of palling around with them. Mm -hmm. And he, after Kill Bill two, which uh, Larry Bishop's part, very well received and deservedly. So like he is perfectly cast in that movie. He gives a great little performance. It's fun. Uh, he is partying with Quentin Tarantino and, you know, this is, this speaks to the power of cocaine because basically Tarantino tells him, you know, if you write and direct, if you write a, a biker movie, you can direct it. I'll produce it. It's going to be the greatest biker movie of all time. Let's do it. <laughs> so clearly he was on drugs and Larry Bishop went home and he started working on it immediately. Now, we've gotten a little bit of a glimpse into the Larry Bishop process, but I think, you know, he kind of expands on his process that he used for Mad Dog Time when he creates the script for Hell Ride. And I have another clip here, and this is from, from an interview uh, with, I don't know, some schmuck outlet, but uh, this is Larry Bishop discussing the script for his follow-up to Mad Dog Time, Hell Ride. When you sat down to write the script, you wrote out a complete novel. For I this, did, right? I actually, it's it was a novel. Um, it was four hundred pages. Uh, but what I did was, what, each page wasn't complete, and I, I wanted the nothing. It, it, philosophically, it was a, the, the motorcycle movie is nihilistic. And I wanted it to actually show you how crazy it was when I was writing this thing. Show you what Quentin Tarantino can make a person do when when you get exhilarated, you know, exhilarated by what Quentin Tarantino was saying to you. Uh, but I, I wanted like negative space on the page uh, to represent the nihilism or the let's say the absence of meaning, so that the presence of meaning, which is in a normal book, it's all. Every uh, page is completely full of words, so so it was 400 pages of uh, a lot of there was a lot of empty space. There was a lot of nothingness on each of the pages. It was a crazy way of doing because I gave it to Quentin. What? What the fuck is that? I, I, it sounds like a movie I would enjoy more, frankly. Like the, oh, what I wanted to do was give it a lot of room to breathe. You know, a lot of empty space. 
fuck you. I, this I movie's got the least. This movie's got the least empty space of anything I've ever fucking seen. It's the exact seen. same thing what? as Mad you, Dog. You know what time. this sounds like to me? It's the same movie. <laughs> it's just it, this time it's bikers instead of gangsters, yes, but it's literally it just a it's bunch of people killing each film. other yeah. for an hour yeah. and a half. That's it. Yeah. And rhyming. Well, when all I heard him way. talk about when I heard him talk about Hell Ride, this is what I thought of actually. See the three way and sacrifice. You got a thirty three and a third chance of winning, but I. I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me and he's not even going to try. So, Samoa Joe, you take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25% chance and you got an eight and a third chance of winning at sacrifice. <laughs> but then you take my 75% chance of winning if we used to go one-on-one -on -one, and then add 66 and two-thirds percents. I got a 141 and two-thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie. That's, I mean, it's, it's not, it's the same thing, right? Like Larry Bishop is the Scott Steiner of cinema. That's, a, Scott right? Steiner should be in this movie. That, that's just the fact. <laughs> He'd be great, right? <laughs> yeah. I know. Who's, who the hell is playing Comanche or whatever? Fuck that guy. Get Scott Steiner in there. There's your Comanche. <laughs> Eric Balfour. <laughs> I think Eric it's Balfour. My God. How to get off the directing thing. Help me. Yeah. So, uh. This this movie is, I mean, it's 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 nonsense. It's <laughs> Mad Dog Time was anchored by just incredible actors giving absolutely amazing performances, and by the time you get to Hell Ride, Larry Bishop is sixty, um, and considering that, like, I don't know, like maybe seventy percent of this movie is just like naked women gyrating on him and or oil wrestling <laughs> it's kind of like I, I don't know that in and of itself is weird but it's it's just all old guys it's him it's michael madsen it's eric balfour who's the only person that's under 50 um <laughs> dennis hopper shows up to do a little death rattle uh towards dennis the copper the and david carradine yeah Oh, Carradine's yeah. the worst stuff. Like, I—that's—that's that's what surprises me most about your your story with the script here, because it's, it's like, really, I would have assumed it was written when he did Kill Bill Volume Two, and that they just were like, "All right, well, you have five minutes with, with fucking David Carradine. Go ahead and yeah. shoot him tied to a chair and insert it into your film." <laughs> yeah. So this one is, uh, whew, it's. Where Mad Dog Time is a curiosity, this one swerves into uh, atrocity territory. Uh, because true, my yeah. God, <laughs> this is a this is a tough watch. Mad Dog Time is breezy chaos that's kind of fun to consume. This is just it, it's it's like getting hit in the head with a mallet repeatedly. Well, I I think it has like similar things that that want to work for it like i think that uh madsen is doing work here i think he is again he's obviously done worked with tarantino many times he knows how to sell dialogue that isn't naturalistic and he can do it no one else in the film can do it at all and like 70 percent of the dialogue goes to bishop or one of the stripping women and it is also so much more vulgar than like mad dog time like you add this fucking dr seuss and you mix it up with just some of the most disgusting shit you'll ever fucking want to hear it doesn't work at all like i don't want to hear vinnie oh jones God. yapping about eating out dead pussy or something 
that's that's yeah that's really the the part of the movie if you want to like boil down <laughs> Hellride to its essence it's yeah the Vinny Jones pussy speech where he goes on and on and on and if you want to parallel it's like you know how it's funny when Cheech Marin in From Dusk Till Dawn is like the carnival barker outside of the strip club and he's like we got vampire pussy we got hot pussy we got cold pussy like think of that but it's just like a guy staring at you dead-eyed and he's like See this tattoo? That means I ate dead pussy. See this tattoo? It's green. That means I ate booger pussy. Like, it just, <laughs> forever. It goes on forever. There's something in there about a cop's asshole. <laughs> yeah, and all in Vinnie Jones' distinct, we're not sure where he's supposed to be from accent. He's trying to do American, mm -hmm. I think, but it... it breaks up repeatedly <laughs> in that monologue in particular which which again it's like an alternate universe where vinnie jones is like yeah a like thug london biker out in tucson arizona it it doesn't it doesn't add up nothing in this movie works um because mad dog time has this kind of like it's got enough um consistency in its elements as a gangster movie that even though it's sort of a timeless weird miasma it do, it doesn't really it doesn't expose the seams too much it all it's kind of like okay it works it's a small small settings you know like a couple of rooms and, and all these very famous people just kind of like riffing on being gangsters this uh, Hellride has just got this awkward element to where it's basically looks very modern and shiny and kind of like digital pristine but it's also supposed to be a throwback biker movie from like the 70s you know and it, kind of that counterculture thing but it has none of that grime it's just sort of like it just looks like kind of like a shitty porno basically and that mm -hmm. doesn't translate to the roughness of of a biker movie even to the point where you know as you mentioned uh, steve like all the guys in this movie are all like you know tanned hide wrinkled old men who you know to the most part most of the men look like bikers they they convincingly they're dirty and mm -hmm. they're mussed up and they look like they've been out under the sun and then all the women are basically just 21 year old glamour models uh, which is not like the i don't know a lot about the biker lifestyle but i think the women go with them <laughs> but you know the women on the bikes look like bikers because they are they sit on bikes all day in the sun None of that here. All these guys are just untethered from time and space and just wander into all these bars where 20-year-old women just glom onto them and are super impressed because they're fucking 70-year-old men with motorcycles. Uh, and all these women up. mysteriously talk like Larry Bishop. Yes, and yeah, yeah it's incredible great. how that works. I mean, but it's it's totally accurate, you know? It's like it's like that movie Wild Hogs where it's just a, a bunch of old guys driving around getting pussy. 100% you know? put Tim about. Allen in this movie and it would have improved it because it would have brought a little bit of Mad <laughs> Dog time in. It would have been so good. Like, he just looks Pistolero dead in the eye and goes, oh, oh, oh. that'd be really good. <laughs> oh, man. Or Madsen pulls a gun on him and he goes, oh, I mean, come on. This movie does have the distinction of like, I, I still, I can't think of a worse scene in any film as far as just the writing, especially than that fucking like pistolero rolling into the desert for his peyote trip. And this, a random like oh, native God. American woman's just like, I've got the burning bush fireman. Why don't you fire walk over to me and shoot me with your fire hose it's it's just like worse <laughs> it goes on and on for like five fucking minutes of just saying oh, the word fire I, in various innuendos and it looks like shit it looks like absolute shit so 
dear listener, let me take you back to a magical time between like 2003 and 2009, uh, where the piss filter was all the rage. And for some reason, you had to put a piss colored filter over your lens if you're making a movie. It was a rule. And so basically what this movie ends up looking like is what if like the shittiest version of Tony Scott imaginable was making a POD music video. That's what you get. It, it just, it's fucking weird shutter speed shit. It's piss filter. It's quick cuts for no fucking reason at all. Other than to give me a migraine. Uh, it looks like ass. And then you have the Larry Bishop. Yeah. Dialogue and the structure of it as well. I mean, like, it seems like, okay, it's a straightforward, some old guys in a biker gang and like old, you know, rivalries and, and gang war stuff is like resurfacing. And then it cuts to a flashback to 1976 and a murder. <laughs> and, and like the whole movie is like talking about what happened in 1976. At no point do I give a shit what happened in 1976. No one cares. And also 1976 looks exactly like 2008 or whenever this movie was made. It's it, There's no attempt. They don't even put like a shitty, you know, fake film grain or something on it. Like it just looks exactly the same. Who cares? Uh, but it's it's very much again feels like that Tarantino thing of like you know you mix up the timeline you you realign events so you know you kind of move into you know even if it's a if a familiar story you back into the scenes in unexpected directions it keeps the audience wrong footed but there's none that this is an incredibly linear I mean I think it's a linear film except that Bishop doesn't bother writing reasons for people to do anything so you just assume it's like they murdered this guy in 1976 and now Pistolero and his gang are mad at them and but the, yeah it, like 40 years ago this this what's happened in the meantime <laughs> no yeah well what if they do yeah, what's everybody been and doing it doesn't make any sense because they everyone starts with these big like gangs of pikers and then they just kill everyone in their own gangs like everyone's killing their own gang members presumably because there's some kind of like double cross coming but no real double cross happens so you just have to assume that being a biker in with these guys sucks because they'll just murder you at some point there's no structure or kind of connective tissue between these scenes it's just like every four minutes someone has to get shot like larry bishop is like editing it to a fucking stopwatch and he's like gotta put in someone getting killed here or else I'll, I'll lose the audience or something and that's just the whole movie and it just trundles along like a fucking you know like one of those big wheel trikes it's not this is like the least badass biker movie i've seen in a long while yeah and yeah for a movie that's so deeply concerned with including sex scenes uh nudity has never been more boring like I've I've never been exhausted by large breasts and uh, full frontal female nudity than I have been watching this movie. It's just absolutely fucking no. But I, but I did Steve every single scene. Steve, I did enjoy from IMDb trivia. Um, someone probably the most like um, someone just hedging their bets trivia, which is executive producer Quentin Tarantino's bare feet parentheses foot fetish quote scare quotes <laughs> trademark possibly in parentheses creeps in 
with creep shot up from the feet of the doused in petrol victim and laterally the Latin lady on the bed feet up behind her. This is a very garbled way of saying that at certain points in this movie, you can see women's feet and maybe that's a fetish. It isn't. There's, it's just because uh, the women's feet are visible. No. But I really love that someone felt that, that they were like, Quentin Tarantino likes feet. Some of these women oh, aren't wearing shoes. Gotta add this in. Uh, this is, oh boy. I also checked uh, on, on IMDb oh and I noticed that Hellride has won an award. And I thought, well, what, what the f- what yeah, award what, what did, award did <laughs> Hellride win? Well, the Women's Film Critics Circle Awards gave gave Hellride a, 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 an award. What? Yes, they gave it an award for the most offensive male character. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna say there's like there's literally not a woman in America that would watch this most movie offensive no, male character. All. I'm gonna assume that one was pinned right on Vinnie Jones's goddamn chest. The, the comment underneath it says Larry Bishop carries a torch for the opposite sex and not in that way. So I guess it's a reference to the <laughs> woman that gets set on fire. But Larry Bishop didn't do that in the movie. He just wrote it mm-hmm. and probably all the bad dialogue yeah. about it. But yeah, certainly this movie, the women, they're there. I don't know why. There's one whole scene where they go into the, this, there's a bar, like, what is it, like Danny's Hellhole or something. And they basically, they just keep murdering people in this one bar. And Danny shows up in one scene and it's just this woman. And she's obviously like the bikers are all like horny for her. And then she just disappears again. She's never in the movie again. But like literally people just go <laughs> yeah. to Danny's to die. They get murdered there all the time. Like this lady, maybe she's out back digging graves. No context for this. What does she get out of this relationship? You know, she can only get bikers and she can only get them if she allows them to murder people on her premises. Like, yeah. very confusing. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a great relationship. She's running a business. They're doing crime and, and like, looking at her yeah, but i guess she does keep her clothes on <laughs> i refuse to believe this place is called True. danny's hell hole it should be called hella's hell hole featuring hell <laughs> a minor oversight on bishop's uh part but but michael madsen does deliver his uh a 666 cc cycle symphony speech in danny's hell hole so <laughs> you know it's Christ. all even that that seems amazing because larry bishop is like makes himself an audience surrogate for a second because Madsen just goes on and on and on with this fucking psycho <laughs> symphony and Larry Bishop just goes shut the fuck up I'm like you're talking to yourself here brother <laughs> it's true if you oh, cut out Lord. all of like the flowery monologues you would trim like 15 minutes off this movie <laughs> easy there's oh, there's like it, 10 scenes where I was just echoing old Larry. I'm like, will these people shut the fuck up and move along with this thing? It's, it's grating. It's absolutely grating. And then and then the big twist of this movie is based, because we mentioned, it's like, what happened in 1976 when this kid got on a motorcycle uh, and his, someone was murdered? What happened? Well, it turns out that the only character in the movie who could possibly have been born in the 70s, it turns out he's the kid. That's your huge twist, which mm-hmm. you kind of assume. Which we yeah, know. Right. <laughs> it's obvious. <laughs> like Dennis Hopper yeah. wasn't a kid in the 70s. It's not him. We know it's that one guy. Everyone else gets murdered. Everyone. Like he's the only guy yeah. who's still alive who's under 60. So yeah, he's probably the kid. 
I love this whole it's fucking just, treasure mystery ugh. too, where it's just like a, <laughs> a fucking metal box buried like a foot deep in the sand that requires three keys to open it. I'm like, it's a fucking metal box. I think these rough and tumble motherfuckers could yeah, these guys, the fuck open. These guys carry guns with them everywhere. Yeah, this metal box is gonna, gonna hold them off. Plain old metal oh, box. It's under the cactus flower. <laughs> <laughs> I just. Ah, and it, it also, Larry Bishop's trying to do, like, the Marcellus Wallace thing or something, too. Like, well, I bet you're wondering what's in that box. You'll oh, yeah, never we'll never know. know. I'm like, no one gives a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a treat. So, yeah, I guess if, if we were to summarize this, Mad Dog Time, you get a chance? Check it out. Hellride? Don't fucking do it, man. Quentin Tarantino produced a ripoff of his own movie. It's like, that would be like... I, I don't even know. Like, if Marvel was like, man, we should bankroll an asylum film so we could get the, you know, the Avenge Squad produced. Why would anyone do this? I don't know. I, I almost say, like, Hellride, you could still be curious about. Just keep your finger hovering over the stop button because there's going to come a time where you're like, I've had a fucking enough. But it's kind of worth watching like, it it's at, worth, at 1.5 speed. Yeah, it's worth, like, <laughs> seeing what the hell's happening here. And then when you've gotten fed up after like 15 minutes just exit yeah I, I will give it it is yeah. like 85 minutes long there's a lot of bad movies that do not have the courtesy to tap out quite that quickly it's still too long it could be significantly shorter but yeah it's it's not like treacherously bad it's just at no point is there there's no upside to it effectively it just sort of there's nothing there that you're like you could latch onto like you could be like ebert i think no. and you could be like mad dog time is very poorly written and constructed there's very little to it but you at least the actors you're like having fun watching them but like dennis hopper seems checked out here david carradine literally only agreed to be in the movie because uh bishop caught his role so he could do it in one day <laughs> without leaving one room um, it's it probably wore his own suit in it too. They talk about how his nicest suit is. It's probably the one that Carradine walked into the shoot with. Uh, you know, just to get it. Like mm -hmm. I'd say, he was there for an hour tops. Uh, you know, th there's nothing really to latch onto this. The only thing I could imagine anyone might enjoy in this movie is if you are a motorbike historian. I maybe some of the bikes are nice. I believe Dennis Hopper rode his own motorcycle, so that's probably cool. It's a little yeah, side a little sidecar <laughs> old, like, that's a classic motorcycle. If you're into motorcycles, that might be nice. You might just be disappointed all the fucking shitty actors sitting on them, <laughs> obscuring your view. That's the upside of, of Hellride. Uh, well, I'll add, if you're mm. a Madsen head, I, I'm something of a, a Madsen aficionado. I, I always like to see that he, yeah, gravelly okay. old fuck. I, I, every scene he's in i'm like yeah this is kind of fun and then when he's not on the screen which is most of the time it's like well this is intolerable <laughs> pretty much oh good lord exhausting well i guess i mean that pretty much wraps up the cinema of larry bishop so jack what are you putting over this week uh let me see i you know i'm gonna put over odd couple which is not not the sitcom, not the Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon one. Although, God, a, like, a crossover would be amazing. No, Odd Couple uh, with directed by Laukar Wing. Okay, so it's so a 1979 martial arts movie. Um, it, it is wild. It's amazing. It stars Samuel Hung and Laukar Wing plays uh, as the other guy. And they're basically, it's, it's a movie basically about a sword master and a spear master who fight a lot. And it is 
absolutely ludicrous the complexity of the fight scenarios they come up with it is next level even if everything else in the movie sucked and it doesn't there's a lot of really funny stuff in this movie it is nominally a comedy but the fight choreography in this is like genuinely all-time tier so odd couple by laukar wing find it i don't know where it's available in the u.s i i imported a blu-ray of it because it just came out in the uk which is handy so uh but 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 track it down it is genuinely jaw-dropping when they start fighting you're like how the fuck does anyone do this because especially after watching my larry bishop and you're like these guys just <laughs> sat around in a room for hours and hours and you watch this and these guys are just doing crazy stuff so yeah odd couple it's better than both these films <laughs> <laughs> ringing endorsement. <laughs> Myros, what are you putting over this week? Uh, you know, I have been rewatching Banshee. I I may have put it over several years ago. I don't think I ever have. I just written about it. I think Jake's probably put it over though cuz it fucking rules. But it is it is similar to Jack's uh, assessment there. I think we uh you could you could easily draw a parallel between something like Banshee and the work of Larry Bishop specifically like Hell uh Hell Ride. It's uh very much an homage of sorts to like pulp fiction uh not the tarantino pulp fiction uh, but you know pulp e fiction um it's it's probably the best action series ever made uh the second and third seasons especially are just very remarkable stuff uh sure it is it is a piece of television from the 2010s so you're, you're gonna get more cgi gore than you'd like some uh annoying camera work but uh if you can get beyond that, it's a show that really understands how to construct an action narrative. Uh, it, it really relishes in its its ridiculous heavies and constant escalation, and uh, it's a blast. I've really loved revisiting it. Oh, Steve, can, can I put over right. something else for, for, for our fans? Because, you know, we want to draw up mail. So I'm also going to put over everything everywhere all at once because it sucked and I didn't like it. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, so if Get you em. liked that movie, it's let us know. And I'll, told me I'll respond to you personally <laughs> and say that I disagree with you and I question your judgment. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I, it's I bad. Borrowed you it don't bother. Internet. It sucks. It's like it is Pixar, <laughs> the R-rated movie. It's it's awful. I, I gotta I gotta get in on the discourse. I had two people at work ask me about it, so that's what happens. Uh, to fucking regular people have seen. They keep asking, "Oh, if you see it's the best movie of the year." It's like, no, it isn't. Yeah, I had two people at work tell me it was a masterpiece, Ugh. and then made them cry. Uh, Everyone cried at this movie. Yeah, it yeah. I had two of the I had yeah. two of the youngsters in the in the film school uh, who had immediately declared it like their favorite movie. It's like, yeah, okay, wow. I'm, I'm like skeptical. These people need to watch RRR on Netflix now. Fucking get the hook that into their veins. We do not Mad need Dog more time. of this. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of those two things, and only yeah. one of those two things. Sounds like somebody hasn't watched Mad Dog Time and it shows. That's what you should tell those people in film class, Myros. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen that one. Two people at work are like, oh, it's a masterpiece. You got to see it. I want to know what you think. And then in that same conversation, a third colleague of mine was just, I don't know what we were talking about, but she was just like, yeah, you know, my red flag is like, if I go on a date with someone and they don't like The Office and they don't know quotes from The Office, like I just don't even bother. I'm like, God, I would, I would not. <laughs> you know fuck. that that I, cuts I both die. ways. Yeah, that's uh, mutual. Yeah, exactly. Imagine going it's... on a date, someone's fucking jamming Jim from The Office down your throat. I'd be like, Well, no, thank you. Yeah. 
No. Hot damn. I uh, yeah. Who who would ever want that? I that's like my my thing with this uh, this movie that I could not possibly declare the name of because it's just uh it sounds like larry bishop wrote the title everything everywhere uh what the hell is it called Jack? <laughs> that's his dialogue yeah <laughs> um everything everywhere all there was. you go <laughs> there you go larry bishop, they could have the movie larry bishop one of the alternate universes was the was vic's world that, that would have been good but <laughs> they they missed that trick i mean he larry bishop doesn't do everywhere though Larry Bishop does four sets per movie. That's it. That's fair <laughs> enough. I, I I like the the whiff that this movie is given off is just that sort of thing. Like, yeah, your person who's like obsessed with The Office or Hamilton. I was getting big Hamilton vibes. I'm like, well, Hamilton. maybe this movie's good, but I don't know. I just have the sneaking suspicion like Lin Manuel Miranda is gonna jump out and start fucking speak singing to me or something. And I don't want it. These I want are fucking Harry Potter guys. They're like, who's going to break Trump's horcrux? That's what oh, they like to Jesus. say. And then they talk about how their favorite movies everywhere all the time. All at yeah, once. It's, it's the vibes. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie. Maybe I disagree with Jack and it's great, but it's giving off the vibes. It's giving off no, the bad trust, populist trust vibes. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch it just so I can I can weigh in. But fuck, it's long, too. That sucks. It oh, is. Wow. It is two hours, 20 minutes long, and oh. the first hour of it is explaining the rules to the game. It's, oh. oh it's boy. everything that Christopher Nolan people complain about, except Christopher Nolan movies are to me genuinely like, more entertaining than that. Like, they're not this drab, but anyhow. So yeah, pu I'm putting that over. Everyone, go watch everything <laughs> everywhere all at once. Reverse put over. <laughs> it's an antagonistic, just being antagonistic put over. I dare you, fucking watch that shitty movie. Fucking go dare for you, it. pussy. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, I'm gonna put over something you actually should watch. Uh, it's it's a documentary, and you know what's great about documentaries right now? They fucking suck, but they're everywhere. Good God. You look at Netflix, you look at Hulu, it's it's just, there's there's a million of them. There's a new one that comes out every day, and everybody goes, oh my god, have you seen the Tender Swindler, or whatever the fuck, and it's all terrible. It's all trash, and they all look the same, and they're all fucking stupid, and none of these directors know what the fuck they're doing. However, Some Kind of Heaven is great, because not only is it a good documentary, but when you watch it, you can actually see the shitty Netflix documentary that could exist if they covered the exact same story, but it doesn't exist here. And that's a beautiful thing. So this is, uh, it's a documentary about the villages. Are you guys familiar with the villages? No, no. means nothing to me. I, okay, I don't, like so in Florida, the old folks? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. It's, it's an old folks community in Florida. It's not like a retirement home or, or anything. It's just like a, a community. It's a city, uh, but it's it's all old people. And it's huge. It's like, 150,000 people or something and everybody's old as fuck and weird and it's about the villages but if this was a Netflix documentary it would it would just kind of look at everything from a 50,000 foot angle and just be like okay this is you know oh man look at all these uh it's it's a bunch of Trump people and aren't they weird and everybody's a piece of shit but what this movie's about is it's just about loneliness because the thing they don't talk about in these retirement communities is you know, yeah, of course, it's like weird old people fucking all the time, but it's a lot of just sad, lonely people. So there's one woman who burned her life savings to move here because she thought it would be a utopia. Uh, but then her husband immediately got sick and died and she's all alone and she hates it. Uh, there's another couple where uh, the husband is seriously mentally ill 
And part of being in the villages is you have to like maintain this social life and keep up appearances. And because of his mental illness, like she can't do that. Uh, there's another guy who's like some weird, like 90 year old Don Juan. And he just like fucking squats in the villages in a van and tries to like bang rich widows <laughs> and get their money. It's kind of wild. So uh, it, it looks beautiful. It's a really interesting movie. It's not at all what you expect it to be, and it's not a shitty fucking Netflix documentary. It is streaming on Hulu, believe it or not. But uh, I can assure you, it is the only documentary I've seen released in the last like three years that I don't fucking hate. So uh, check that out. Some kind of heaven. It's great. And uh, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you'll notice a link in the description. So why don't you go ahead and click that link? And you know what you can do? You can give us money. Why would you want to give us money? Well, this shit costs money. It costs money to host this podcast. It costs money to own our domain, which I just had to renew because it lapsed and then our website broke. I don't know how that happened, but all this shit's fucking expensive. And uh, yeah, we got to pay for it. So podcasting ain't cheap. And when you help us out, it, it's not like you're just giving us money for nothing. Oh no. You're going to have the opportunity to get a bunch of exclusive written and podcast content from Optimism Vaccine that you can only get as a Patreon subscriber including a brand new episode that I, I don't know if it's dropped yet, but if it hasn't dropped yet, it, it's dropping soon. I mean, by the time this uh, releases, I'm sure it'll be out. It'll be out. It'll be out. So it's there for you. Also, if you are a new Patreon subscriber and you live in the continental United States, I will send you in the mail, a movie from my personal collection. Very exciting for you. Who knows what you'll get? Maybe, maybe you'll get a copy of hell ride on DVD. Quentin Tarantino presents right to your fucking mailbox. How would you like that? Bet you'd love it. So, uh, yeah, give us some money, please. And uh, at higher tiers, you can even dictate content. You know, you, you want something, you're like, oh, boy, I, I really want you guys to watch all of Larry Bishop's biker movies in the 60s and 70s. Great. That's an episode. Pay us money. It'll happen. So uh, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com is where you can send those. Or you can tweet at us, at optimismvaccine, Adam Myros, as always sitting by his computer, staring at the screen, hitting refresh all day, every day, waiting to respond to you. So uh, with that, I guess we'll uh, see you next week.